0: Hey everybody, this is Alex Papadimus, Executive Editor of MTV News. I'm Mukta Mohan, the podcast producer over here. And welcome to the first episode of North Mollywood. We were so excited about this show that we decided to release it a little bit early. We're giving you a preview. Eventually you'll be able to get this show and many other shows. Everywhere that you go for podcasts, we will be there. In the meantime, follow us at MTV Podcasts on Twitter for information about what we're up to. Can you give us a little background on what the show will be? I sure can. This is me and MTV News lead music writer Molly Lambert talking about California and pop culture and California pop culture. This episode, appropriately enough, begins with some discussion of O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story, colon, The People versus O.J. Simpson, which just ended and Molly and I are both bereft in its absence and in preparation for the season finale on Sunday, we talk about vinyl on HBO. I've never seen vinyl. What is that about? Many people have never seen vinyl. Uh, Bobby Cannavale plays a record executive in the early 70s, navigating the transformation of his industry, the arrival of punk and disco. And uh, turns out uh, what makes it a lot easier is mountains of cocaine. <laughs> so we talk a lot about that.
1: Okay, well, let's get to it.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. los angeles california on the mtv podcast network this is north mollywood i'm alex papademus on the boards Mukta to mohan and seated across the table from me the queen of the brentwood Luna cocaine cartel <laughs> molly lambert hey alex I've been waiting for this moment. We've been waiting for this moment through like, we've been talking about this for about six months. Yeah. This moment and we're, we're living in right now.
1: <laughs> I don't feel I don't feel like it's happening because I've been just waiting to talk about OJ, the OJ show.
0: There's an OJ shaped hole in my life and I need to <laughs> fill it with, by doing this podcast because I suddenly have, uh, I have hours of time that I'm not spending thinking about this show. Um, it's over.
1: It's over and I'm sad. Because I want it to be going on forever. And I do feel like it could have had three more episodes. It was 10 episodes. I mean, you don't usually feel that about a show that you wanted it to be just much longer. Usually it's enough. But this, I was like, that was that. I could have had more of that. It was so good.
0: You could have gone up through the civil trial.
1: I could have gone up through the civil trial. I could have had an episode about the Brown family and an episode about the Goldman family. Maybe that could have been the same episode even, but I feel like those were sort of the characters we didn't see that much of that I wanted to know more about.
0: I did not grow up here in Los Angeles. And so I have my OJ memory is uh, weirdly it takes place in New Mexico. Uh, It's not a really good story, except that like I heard in on the Kill Taker by Fugazi and watched the OJ chase on the same day. So I, like, got, I got story. super woke about everything that was <laughs> happening in that one day. Somebody, um,
1: a lot of people keep saying though, like it is like our moon landing or JFK assassination or something where it's like everybody remembers where they were during either the car chase or the verdict or both.
0: Do you remember where you were for yeah, the car chase? Yeah, of
1: course. I was at a sleepover. <laughs> Uh, I was at a sleepover, a slumber party with, like, everybody else in my grade school. And uh, I, like, bonked my head on something because that's what I do. And I, like, went to go ask the girl's mom, whose house it was, like, if I could get, like, some ice or a Band-Aid or something. And she was like, don't talk. History is happening right now. And she was using a VHS camcorder. She, like, got out a VHS camcorder to tape the OJ... Chase, like
0: pointed at the screen. Yeah. To, wow. To so point. she's bootlegging the OJ she's bootlegging chase. Bootlegging
1: the OJ chase because she was like, "This is an important moment. Everybody is going to remember this forever." And uh, and she was right. But I at the time was like, "What is she talking about? Why doesn't this person, who's somebody's mom, care about that I'm hurt?"
0: I kind of pictured you at twelve being super into the OJ chase. Actually, so this. Everybody
1: is in L.A. is into car chases. Everybody. <laughs> You know, car chases as a thing on KCAL 9 especially are are just like a national pastime of Angelino's. Like, people now, when there's one, everybody texts each other like, oh, there's a good car chase on everybody. But then, you know, sometimes something terrible happens at the end. And then you're like, oh, we shouldn't be so into this, probably.
0: I feel like this was the first one, though. I feel like this was that was where that phenomenon...
1: Maybe that's true. The gain of
0: putting car chases on television but as maybe, a thing. I feel like
1: they showed them before that. I don't know, though. Maybe you're right. Maybe that was the first big car chase. Um, yeah, and I remember the verdict. I think I was in seventh grade, and we like all got to get out of class to go watch it. Um, and I do, like I remember a lot of things very specifically about when they showed the footage, which I f- don't know if it was real footage or not, of people reacting To the verdict where they were like showing people like cheering and the people looking disappointed. Uh, I remember that like very, very strongly that they were showing that and that it was sort of what it was like. People reacting in a lot of different ways. Some people were really happy he got off, and other people were like, oh, this is a horrible miscarriage of justice. Uh, And it was complicated. I think everybody understood just like, oh, this is very complicated. all of these things, yeah, this person might be guilty and also other systems might be completely corrupt.
0: Well, that's what I think is the great thing about that. The show is that it it was able to sort of, it it was to hold those two ideas kind of simultaneously. There was no, it wasn't just about, you know, I feel like it was about what's it like to defend someone who you know is guilty and that's why, I mean, that's the craziest part of it is if somebody was like, there's going to be an OJ TV show about the O.J. trial and miniseries, you'd be like, sure, of course there is. And the the moral center of the show, Johnny Cochran and Robert Kardashian. You would be like, come on, get (laughs) out of here. And yet it totally, it absolutely works. It's like, he, you know.
1: It did something, yeah, I was saying, you know, because when I first heard it was going to happen, I thought, oh, what a great idea. Oh, no, it's a Ryan Murphy joint. This is not going to go well. Uh, But then he didn't write it. He just directed some of the episodes and produced it. And so it was... uh, nuanced on racism which is something I never thought I would say about a Ryan Murphy show because they are generally not
0: no that's not part of the Ryan Murphy brand no this was very
1: like nuanced and every you understood everyone's point of view and uh I had kind of forgotten I mean it all yeah it just gave me like a billion weird flashbacks the fashion and the uh the styling was so perfectly done and really just wanted to show it to everybody who thinks the 90s were cool to be like no no it was like this (laughs) it was like not cool (laughs) everything was sepia tone i loved i loved that sort of like smoggy sepia tone that they did on the whole show uh yeah my my brother and i were just talking about it all the time and especially every time they reference specific places especially restaurants like there's a big conversation about Chin Chin restaurant which you know just like oh, yeah, these restaurants, like, L.A., late 80s, early 90s restaurants.
0: What was Chinjin? Chinjin's,
1: like, a Chinese restaurant. Um, there was, like, a weird phenomenon of, like, Chinese restaurants that were started by Jews in L.A. There are a couple of them. There's that one, and then there's Genghis Cohen, whose name makes it sure. more obvious that that's what it is. Um But it was just sort of like a bougie Chinese restaurant of that era, uh, peanut noodles. I think that's like where everybody learned about... It was like Chinese chicken salad. That's, I think, where I learned about Chinese chicken salad as an idea. Um, It's good. It made me want to go eat there in a weird way. And there were like a bunch of restaurant references. They referenced like Hamburger Hamlet, where Johnny Cochran's taking his kids and talk about La Scala and the chopped salad and like Spago, just all these sort of like cornerstones of... Uh, L.A. 80s and 90, early 90s stuff that took me to a weird place in my mind. And the music was so good. The music supervision was amazing. The best use of so many songs.
0: Uh, uh, pulling out Sabotage for the car chase. I was really excited about that. I was so excited about it, I tweeted about it without saying what it was because I was like, <laughs> you just have to... I built it up way too much. No, but it's it was perfect. It was, it was uh, yeah. And no, that's it was,
1: a song that's been super overused in trailers and stuff, I feel like.
0: Well, because it's in all the Star Treks, because it exists in the Star Trek universe. What? Yeah, it's in a, it's it's in the first Star Trek, and then like the as,
1: J.J. Abrams. Yeah,
0: then the Abrams tra- Trek verse has Beastie Boys songs in it. I was
1: like, or the '60s Star Trek, time traveled to the future and found.
0: Yeah, it. exactly. In The episode where they really <laughs> went to 1994, um, and, and Spock goes to Lollapalooza. Yeah, no, it's a thing. It was in, so it's in that, and then it exists. It's in the third one, as well. There's um, a
1: third one? There's
0: a new one coming out. It's in the trailer for the third one. And so uh, they're like really referencing it. So it's the only popular song that has survived.
1: So it's the theme song is what you're saying.
0: It is the theme for, well, well, I th- yeah. And I think it's a Kirk reference as well.
1: Uh, S- yeah.
0: Sabotage. <laughs> uh, there's tape of Kirk not pronouncing that word correctly on the internet as there is for, you know.
1: Oh, uh, is that what it is? It's like a Star Trek It's a joke? deep
0: nerd reference on so many levels. What we, yeah, this is a di- this is an example of the digression where we would play the digression theme. For this moment, we'd break it out. Oh wait, I had a question. I had an OJ question. So let's cut back in for a second, to OJ. It's 20 years from now. It's season 20 of American Crime Story. It's been on this entire time, and they're up to like crimes. Like, what is the, crimes what, of now? Yeah, what's the crimes of now? Like, what's the season? What do you want the Ryan Murphy? Like, I know mm. Katrina is the next one, so that's fairly recent.
1: I don't even want to tell you what my idea is because it's too good of an idea. Okay. Because it's also not my idea. It's my brother's idea. Okay. Well, uh, now you can definitely now tell now I can tell you because people were talking about like. The reason the O.J. show is so good is because it's all these issues that are still so important, and it's it's just like it's like the intersectionality show. It's like there's racism and there's sexism and there's classism, and they all interact in all these different ways through this trial. And so when people are talking about kind of like oh, what if it's John Bonet or the Menendez brothers, uh, or specifically John Bonet, people are like, well, that's you know interesting, but like none of these things are as kind of like just ripe as the oj thing for talking about all these issues uh so the thing my brother suggested that i thought was a really good idea um because we were both obsessed with this story was the christopher dorner story
0: yes
1: (laughs) um the for people who maybe don't remember what that was he was a cop who uh, was a black cop a black lapd cop who sort of uh went on a rampage and accused the lapd of corruption kind of made him crazy the the racism in the lapd was like gave him made him this vigilante against the lapd but then they went on this crazy manhunt for him they found him in a cabin in big bear i believe and they like accidentally killed a bunch of people trying to find him so it was kind of like not not proving his point that (laughs) it was not the best maybe you know uh enforcement (laughs) but I thought that was a really, a really good idea um, because it's also something where I'm like, oh, yeah, that was crazy. But I feel like it maybe happened the same week as something else crazy. And so it got buried by whatever the other crazy thing was. But now I can't remember what that was.
0: Yeah, I don't remember either. I don't remember either. Uh, Mukta, do you have a microphone? I am. You can oh, weigh on. in. <laughs> you can you can ho- you can shout in if you know. You can you can buzz in.
1: That was the same week as Elisa Lam. Yes. Oh, that's okay. Right. Um, that was a big week for true crime in Los Angeles. They should just do that week. They should just do
0: the the American well, crime. Well, Elisa story Lam the
1: was the inspiration for this season of American Horror Story.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. But okay. they didn't
1: actually really do anything having to do with her story. A lot of people were like very interested in this season of American Horror Story because it was Horror Hotel and it was based on this hotel downtown that has had a lot of murderers and uh, Richard Ramirez, I think, like lived there for a minute, it has this history of, uh, you know, junkies and uh, crazy people just staying there for inordinate amounts of time and uh, and it's interesting now because now it's like in the arts district almost so they're obviously trying to turn it into like a boutique hotel make it not have this right re- they changed the name right. you know and uh, but it still has these sort of true crime uh, explorers who go there to try and find the elevator that the girl who was found in the water tank Elisa Lam. Oh, this is the water tank yeah. story. Oh, okay. Yeah, I that's was gonna say like I don't
0: actually, it does not ring a bell until you say water until tank say, and then they
1: found the body in the water tank and it was horrible and you can't unremember it once you find out about it.
0: Yeah, and you don't ever drink the water in the hotel yeah. after. Yeah. no, that's, yeah. So they're trying to build up sort of like change the conversation away from like dead body and water tank and towards yeah. like proximity to the pie hole. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, although I, I gotta say I feel like every building in downtown LA is so haunted that there's probably not a single hotel that doesn't have just tons of haunted stuff about it yeah um, and I would like to know more about all the hauntings at all the various hotels
0: so you would like a more true crime take on the hotel murder situation with less like Lady Gaga and more, you know, how does does the body get in the water I think
1: you could also go back in time for American Crime Story. I would obviously, but you know, sometimes you say these things and then they happen and you're like, this isn't how I imagine that. (laughs) Uh, No TV shows about uh, Charles Manson will be mentioned in this uh, statement. But, you know, I I was into the show Wicked City, as everybody knows about me, which was a show about the uh, lesser known killers who were the uh, Sunset Strip killers who murdered a bunch of people during the hair metal scene.
0: But that wasn't really fact based. Yeah it was. I mean it was fact inspired.
1: It was based on a real string of sunset strip hair metal murders.
0: How were they hair metal m- just just were they by they virtue picked of who up was people in from the scene?
1: those p- clubs. They they specifically trolled like the Roxy and the whiskey and the rainbow room because there were Young babes looking for looking to party. with some...
0: Mama's fallen angel getting off the bus. And, yeah. yeah,
1: that's so many shows. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they filmed Wicked City on my on my block, but I don't think the epi- I think it was canceled before we ever saw oh. the house.
1: I'm just glad they finished the season. I just liked that show because I feel I felt like it knew what it was. It wasn't like trying to be. It wasn't trying to be the O.J. show. It wasn't trying to like make a statement about culture. Uh, and the O.J. show, I thought, was just really good at doing that without kind of banging you on the head about it too hard. Even though I was worried that was what I was going to do, because Ryan Murphy, um, and the Kardashian connection. You, you know, there were the first mentions of like, don't, don't get famous for nothing. Like Robert Kardashian telling the kids at Chinchin, Chin, saying, don't, you know, make sure you're famous for a reason. Because not being famous, f- being famous for no reason, it's just the worst thing you can be. A little heavy-handed, but most of the show yeah, was not of, like that. Yeah, your
0: They're, moment of irony with the Kardashians. Yeah. But that didn't bother me too much.
1: No, all the performances are so good, and it was like seeing a bunch of great character actors get to give the best performances that they've ever given, and it made everybody have sympathy for Marsha Clark, which is huge, because she did get done dirty by everybody.
0: Yeah, that was the craziest part is all the, you know, actually seeing how, like, apparently that story about the, you know, like, when she's at the supermarket checkout counter and they're all talking to her about her hair, like, that really happened. Oh, yeah. There were so many things that were, like... that That
1: seemed so crazy that were true. Yeah. I think also what I really liked about the OJ show is that it did a really good job of portraying just L.A. as kind of a small town, which it is in a weird way, where I was like, look, all these people are still part of celebrity culture now and not just celebrity culture, but like, you know, Gil Garcetti, like his son, Eric Garcetti, I think it's his son, right? Yeah. He's the mayor. Just like sort of, Oh, it is like this town where everybody knows each other. And then when I read, um, Mitchell Sunderland wrote this profile interview with Marsha Clark, Where it turns out that she lives in Calabasas now, you know, where you're like, oh, she lives by the Kardashians. That's
0: crazy. Yeah, they must be at the supermarket together. I I guess the Kardashians don't go to the supermarket. Well, she says she
1: moved there in like 1997, and that it was still kind of like a podunk cow town when she moved there before it became mega mansion, just central. You know, I'm sure she lives in a less nice part than the Kardashians, but it's still just like, oh yeah, they are neighbors. (laughs) Like, she sees Kris Jenner probably around. So, moving on to other television shows that
0: yes, all we've been doing is watching television and texting each other bad <laughs> names for this podcast. That's entire. That's how we've spent the last the entirety of twenty sixteen.
1: I I like coming up with podcast names and then immediately deciding I don't like them anymore.
0: I liked crop top thoughts. I thought that had a lot of potential. Uh, it would, I have
1: a lot of thoughts about crop tops.
0: I like the idea of calling it crop top thoughts and then we never actually discuss crop tops. Like, we know your, our crop top thoughts remain sort of <laughs> Well,
1: classified. I was asking Twitter for their crop top thoughts and nobody responded. So I was like, oh, I guess nobody cares about this issue of crop tops that I have a lot of feelings about. Uh, I don't really even have that many feelings about it. I responded. <laughs> you responded. I sent,
0: I sent you some pictures of uh, the, the, the cast of uh, Everybody Wants Some in crop tops. Oh yeah, men in crop tops because I, to, I wanted to show you, it sort of like you know, to demonstrate that this is a broader. It subject. is it's, half shirts know. count. Yeah, half shirts absolutely. The football jersey cut off at any point—that's that's a crop top.
1: That's a that's a good style.
0: Yeah. I mean, maybe not for me personally, but I'm in favor. of <laughs> You don't it know just as until you try. No, I might be free. Maybe
1: your stomach wants to be free. And you don't even know.
0: Oh no! Yeah, no, I think that's probably that's probably true. I was a little disappointed when I realized at one point that I was watching vinyl and you were not. I don't know that we're at the point in our friendship where I can actually be mad that you were not joining me on a journey Once like that. Once you
1: were on the journey, like I wanted to get involved because everything you posted about it made me laugh. Uh, when you posted the picture of the fake Graham Parsons and said that he looked more like Dan Fogelberg, which is so perfectly true, uh, I was like, okay, I got to watch this show. It was all for it you.
0: It was like a, I was like laying a trap for you to get you to watch vinyl. It was vinyl like entirely, is a trap for me. I knew that. And I knew that I wanted you to go there. And I wanted to, I wanted you to go there with me because I needed someone to sort of witness it. And, I, you know, we got
1: to get other people involved because I think it is very important. A lot of people are talking about it as being sort of like, oh, it's the end of the HBO golden age. But it's almost like the postscript to that because, you know, Netflix has been around for a while. They've had competitors for a minute. Those competitors have had shows that have gotten the critical praise that HBO shows used to be the only shows that got. Uh, I don't have any issue with, like, what vinyl is about. I was not like, oh, how dare they make a show about, like, a schmuck in the record (laughs) business. But um, it's sort of amazingly incompetent in some ways because – it's, it makes so many things that I've always been interested in seem so unglamorous. Um, and
0: just unfun, Unfun.
1: Too. It really makes just, like, the 70s seem horrible, which I'm sure they actually were. It makes music seem horrible, <laughs> which is hard to do. Um, no but you
0: do come away from that show being like man punk rock is the worst punk
1: rock is the worst glam rock is the worst it's
0: so you're like if you, yeah if this was your only exposure to music like i feel bad for you son because yeah, you just kind of it like, made
1: <laughs> me just embarrassed uh in, in retrospect about my brief like very intense new york dolls phase that took place in college when i had like All the Johnny Thunders bootlegs. Then I was just like, why isn't the show about Johnny Thunders? There's like so many other people that come on the show that you're like, why isn't this show about them? The show should be about anyone. But this guy, Richie Finestra...
0: I think that's really the thing. I mean, it's like... Well, part of it is just that, yeah, it's like uh, compared to... If compared to something like Mad Men, like it was... Uh, like, obviously, you were supposed to know this was this time that was uh, sexist and racist. And, like, it, even, like, the sort of white men who were in charge of everything, like, they were miserable, too, underneath it. And yet it was a, looked like a fun time that you would want to visit. Well, you want to go hang like out in made, this world. It
1: made all the horrible stuff seem, like, fun and sexy. You're like, oh, I get why people wanted to do all this exploiting, it's so fun, look at how fun they are having, how fun they are having. Uh, Vinyl is like the opposite of that, because it really, you just like, oh, this makes, but you know what, the music business is horrible.
0: Well, that's the thing too. It's like it's also the other differences that Mad Men was like, Hey, like actually uh, like g- advertising guys in suits in the fifties like right. partied like rock stars. And this is like guys who knew rock stars in the seventies partied like rock stars. It was like, Yeah, we,
1: we knew that Somebody yeah. also was saying like the thing about that every time Richie, the main character, the Bobby Connival character, who is the the Tony Soprano or the Don Draper of the universe. Tony
0: Soprano. Sabre- draper <laughs> D- Yeah.
1: He uh he does every time he does coke he gets like so zooted out of his mind like you people keep sending me these like you were calling it like the trombone zoom
0: yeah the coke zoom just like the scorsese the scorsese coke zoom which you've
1: seen so many times and it's so effective in other scorsese movies and i was talking to amy nicholson about she did a podcast about goodfellas where she was ripping on goodfellas and saying like oh it's so manipulative these montages with this music Uh, and her co-host was like that's Scorsese like what are you talking about Um, and then when you watch final you're like these things really don't seem cool in the context of this show uh, even if they do seem really cool in like Casino which is also about terrible people ripping off people yeah and it's it's just why it doesn't work it's interesting and it does work a lot of the time I think I think all the supporting performances are good and I don't dislike Bobby Cannaval even it's just kind of like hilarious, uh, maybe unintentionally.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's just, I, I enjoy watching all of this talent and all of this amazing production design. There's so this, much money. Of this, it's like watching a big pile of money just being, just being set, set, set on, on fire. fire. Exactly, Which is like, what
1: the show should be, should feel like all the time, I think. Yeah, and it needs to be
0: more casino, actually. It
1: does, which is weird to say, like, oh, this show isn't broad enough, because <laughs> nobody would ever say that, but I obviously, like, I do like the fashion. I... I like uh, the the young punk like chippy character, which is very similar to a character on Wicked City, who was like the young. Wait, Juno
0: Temple or yeah, or Gino the Temple. Jagger kid, Jagger's son? No, no, the girl, yeah.
1: the girl punk.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. She's not a punk. She's more like glam. She's
0: punk a uh, punk associated punk yeah. affiliated. Yeah. She. Temple, I mean, I the, wish it was a show
1: about her, kinda, and that it was just like a show about. Uh, you know, I mean, she's she's good, and I like I like her in everything.
0: I wanted it to be about her, and then I want now. I'm, I've moved to as of like the second to last episode. We're taping this. Uh, the, the week before the, uh, the finale airs, I, I really just feel like it should have been about Max Casella and Ray Romano's characters. Oh yeah, like I would much rather it's... like watch these guys sort of like watch the the sort of you know schmucky guy try to navigate this this new world and like yeah. oh my boss is into punk rock now. It's just, it just doesn't make any no, sense. No, that's
1: what doesn't make any sense about it is the notion of Richie Finestra as like the guy who really gets music. Um, because on the one hand, we keep hearing, like, he doesn't care about the music, he just wants to make money. But there's other guys who are worse than him, which is what they also always did on Sopranos and Mad Men was like, yes. he's not the worst guy, because this guy is the worst guy. And like, compared to him, he's not that bad. He's terrible. But like, he's not as bad as this other guy who just really like hates everybody. And... I don't know it it, the idea that he like is that guy but then he also is like the only person who like the first person to get glam rock and like the first person to understand you know Bo Diddley or whatever I mean but the part when Bo Diddley is like playing by the pool and the ghost of Bo Diddley appears I was like this is what I want this show to be like just weirder.
0: I guess, yeah. I mean, like steer into that aspect of it, which is clearly something that they will, because you can just see them like yeah. spending like hours and hours and thousands of dollars lighting those scenes and just getting it just right. So yeah. you can't see Bo Diddley's face; you can tell it's not really Bo Diddley. All of that, I, like all the
1: sound alike music—that's the real problem. It should have just been completely fictional. They should have just, you know, like as much as we would have made fun of like Shmoe, <laughs> it would make so much more sense then the having somebody who's like I'm David Bowie and they look nothing like David Bowie and they have like the fake sound-alike music that's so jarring cuz you're like this doesn't this isn't cool
0: right they couldn't they couldn't pay for it i told you my theory but i'll share i would say it again like which is that all of these actors like when you see someone who is miscast when you see a poorly cast Real person on vinyl, it's indicative of Mick Jagger, who's the executive producer of the show, or one of the executive producers. That is his opinion of that person in real life. Yeah. So if he's like, he really likes John Lennon, probably like respects John Lennon. So John Lennon looks like John Lennon, but Graham Parsons, he's probably still mad at him for the Keith thing, you know, that's like sort of for friend jacking him in that situation. <laughs> and so like he's like, I forget it, cast this guy. It looks like, you know, cast
1: like, an ugly guy. So nobody knows how beautiful Graham Parsons was. Yeah, Graham Parsons was good looking. Yeah, like, a good this guy looking
0: is weird. like, go compare the guy from vinyl. Go look it up. Go Google it. I think it's on my Instagram somewhere. Like, go check it out. Uh, Yeah, no, it's that's the thing about it. It should have been. It should have been faker, like an empire for the seventies. That's what I thought it was going to be. I would be so here for that. Yeah, I would be right here for. Not that I'm not right here. I guess I'm right here for it anyway. I guess it's really. But they would get. You know, they would
1: also get slammed if it didn't have real people in it. But at the same time, you're like, Mick Jagger had all this stuff about like, this is the show I've been waiting my whole life to make, and you're like, well, why isn't it about you? You know, like, I want to know about what it's like to be Mick Jagger in 1972. I don't really care about what it's like to be the guy who does all the coke and then pays Mick Jagger his money.
0: Yeah, we kind of know what that was like.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. Um, although I think all of Vinyl's problems could be solved with a name change and that the show should be called Payola. <laughs> and I feel very strongly about that because that's what it's really about. Yeah. Um, or pleather, which is also... So
0: there's a, there is a lot of pleather, a yeah. lot of pleather jackets. I
1: just, yeah. you know, I didn't I didn't know it was going to be about payola and that's totally what it's about and I see that they were like, it's an extension of that stuff on The Sopranos about Hesh and the record company and people uh, swindling musicians out of their money, uh, which is all real and all happened. Yeah. Uh, and yet it's very depressing without being any fun. <laughs>
0: I enjoy, I had a lot of fun in the moment when they play the demo for Patti Smith's Hey Joe. I don't know if you were there yet. When they put on the demo tape of Patti Smith singing Hey Joe, and you see Max Casella kind of like grooving to it. And then like Ray Romano's reaction is like, oh, I don't know what pissed her off. (laughs) And then of course it's ruined because then you have to have Richie being like, worth a look. Yeah. Worth a look that Patti Smith (laughs)
1: I and think that kid's going somewhere. That, yeah. Last last thought on ensemble shows. I I do think that there is like an important lesson to be learned from Vinyl, and that lesson is that pouring all the money into something and hiring all the big names isn't what makes a good show, because uh, Mad Men and Sopranos both had casts of virtually unknowns, and you know they made all those people stars. So I think the idea that like you give somebody a big paycheck and you're gonna get, if you hire a bunch of successful people, like if you hire the team from Wolf of Wall Street, you're gonna get something as successful as Wolf of Wall Street. It's not how it works. And uh, I don't blame anyone for thinking vinyl would be good because it sounded good and it's, it's pretty good. There you go. There you go, it's pretty good.
0: It's pretty good, MTV The names. parts
1: that aren't bad are really entertaining. <laughs> and the only parts that are bad are when they show anyone who was a real person. And you're pulled out of it by thinking about how not like that person they look and sound.
0: Hey, Richie, it's me, David
1: Bowie. (laughs) I think just, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then uh, fake Robert Plant showed up. And I was like, oh, I see why people have an issue with this.
0: Oh, yeah. Their Robert Plant looked like Tiny Tim.
1: Yeah. And he was just like, I was like, oh, this is like when I thought Robert Plant was the lamest person in the world this yeah. is what I thought he was like
0: yeah you know who else thought that Mick Jagger I'm <laughs> telling you he was like Robert Plant he was, he was a Ponce get a guy who played him as a Ponce there you go
1: <laughs> that's my Jagger that's British my Jagger Blues impression people forever
0: <laughs> give it a bad name too
1: much Lord of the Rings reference
0: thanks for listening to this special preview episode of North Mollywood follow us at MTV Podcasts on Twitter for information about this show and all the other shows we have coming up.